What is cooking, everyone? This is scriptwriter Steve. You reach Barbecue to Movies, and it is January 14th today, 2021, 4.13 a.m. in the morning, and here I am podcasting. And why am I podcasting this early in the morning? Well, I'm just touching up photos right now. You know, I own a wedding business. Things are kind of getting rolling again. We're getting inquiries in. I did two weddings this month, which is cool. It's not my usual, but um, we're still getting inquiries in because Hawaii is once again open for business and there is a way to do tourism down here, which is great. Um, I wanted to get on get on here because um, I just wanted to share my thoughts about what's happening um, regarding, <laughs> you know about it, the impeachment. And it is just, mm, my mind is just, I need to talk to someone. So I thought I'd just talk to you folks here even though you're not in front of me. Well, what's in front of me is actually a wall, or well, a little more you know, clear here. There's like three computer screens, maybe four, kind of my laptop, and my preview monitor that's all over on the left, so when I do video editing. Um, but you know, I just wanted to, to get this off of, off of my chest to express what's going on in my mind, because I think it's just insane. Um, President Trump has been impeached for the second time. Uh, over really nothing. Uh, maybe I don't see what others see. Maybe I'm being, I guess maybe I have a bias toward President Trump and maybe I'm blind about it. But, you know, I'll explain my point of view and I want to do that in a very clear, um, I guess, methodology. What I want to do is I want to take what he said on the day, uh, the last three paragraphs, I want to break it down through um, through my point of view as uh, a writer, right, as a storyteller, and uh, I'll get right into that right after these messages. Okay, everyone, I am back. I'm ready to start talking and de- defending my position here. Um, so why don't we get straight into this? And again, you know, my background um, is I, I consider myself well, I am. A professional storyteller. My medium tends to change on what I how I tell my story. Uh, sometimes I tell it through photographs. Sometimes I tell it through video uh, writings. Um, I am a professional storyteller in many different mediums. At one at one point in my life, I was a screenwriter. I don't intend to go back into screenwriting, but I have dipped my toes back into the entertainment industry. And I'm not going to be. T- I can't really tell you on what I'm working on right now. Um, but I I went back there because of COVID, and uh, hopefully in the upcoming um, months I can tell you what I'm what I'll be working on and what I'll be releasing, and um, and then also I have like a lot of personal projects that I want the mo- that I'm also doing, and uh, I can't even talk about that either because uh, well don't want to spill the beans about everything. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know when you're a writer. Uh, I guess one of the jobs you do uh, is you rewrite. You are when you're a professional writer, you rewrite, rewrite, rewrite. And this, when you when I say rewrite, it's not a, it's not, uh, it's not really touching up, finding spelling errors. You're, you are actually rewriting plot lines and sometimes dialogue. And what your your object is to actually find plot holes and logical loopholes um, in in arguments. Because when you write, you you are actually putting forth an argument. To the audience, and you try to express you know, that argument argument very clearly, and you try to even if you're you have a subtext, you try to make it very clear, um, so that audience understands it 
uh, 100%. The less people who understand what you're trying to put forth, uh, you start losing them automatically. Now, this applies to anything you're, you're selling, uh, whether it's a storyline, a fictional storyline, a documentary, a speech. Um, these are all different methods of storytelling. Again, like so I've been hired to write speeches before. I've been hired to write grants. And even when you write a grant or put together a business plan, you are storytelling. You're telling the story of your business. So, so people get kind of confused when I say, well, I'm a professional storyteller of all mediums. I can tell you when you learn story really well, you can argue things very, very well. And when you rewrite things, you want to rewrite out all the logical loopholes, all the lo- uh, all the plot holes. And the reason why you're doing this is you're trying to make um, a fictional statement. And every statement you put on technically is fictional because you're leaving things out of um, out of out of a. Uh, I guess um, you're you're not you're not telling the whole full story. You, you never can be because sometimes you forget. Sometimes you have a bias. Sometimes uh, you want to you know you want to actually uh, uh, tell things from a, a better point of view because it, you know you don't want to give that that the impression that things are bad. Let's say for example in a wedding, <laughs> on the day of the wedding videos are always um, in real life they're very hectic. They're very stressful. And we don't want to, you know, give them a wedding cut that shows the stress, the the self-doubt, the anger that goes on behind wedding planning because there's a lot of that. And we could easily create a bridezilla out of almost any single bride out there, but we don't. We don't want to tell that story. So it's not 100, 100% honest. So what we deliver to a lot of our wedding couples, even for my wedding companies, is a very biased, you know, rosy point of view of what happened on that day. And hopefully on that day, they won't remember, like, uh, I guess when they view this wedding video, you know, 10, 20 years down the line, they'll say, oh, I remember we were real mad, but I don't remember what we're mad at. Right? They'll, they'll only remember the good things. So everything's are, you know, even when you tell the truth, you do kind of lie a little bit. But it, we have to plug, even with a wedding video, you have to plug all the plot holes, all the loopholes, all the logical loopholes. Because if you don't do that, uh, every time the audience spots one, they get pulled out of that world. All right. Now, plot holes and logical loopholes, they happen because people lie. Or the people forget things. So most of the time, the people lie. So if you say a simple thing like, you know, a simple lie, like uh, my dog ate my homework, it, and then you don't own a dog, right? <laughs> the kid doesn't own a dog. You can pretty much, you know, draw a conclusion that maybe he's lying. But then again, it could be someone else's dog that ate his homework. So it could actually be true. It could actually be false. But then there is a chance that it's false, right? So when we take a look at, you know, statements from when it comes to politics. I'm talking politicians from all sides, Republican and Democrat. Um, You really have to take a look at what they're saying in context and out of context and then treat it like a movie and and just kind of tear it apart a little and, and, and see what's going on. So right here, recently, we have impeachment of, of President Trump 2.0. Now, the first one there was a lot of pl- impeachment 1.0 had a lot of problems because they were trying to impe- impeach him on quid pro quo and there was no quid, there's no pro, there's no quo. And and even the your victim of your quid pro quo, the Ukrainian president, said, Wait, what was he pressuring me on? So if you're gonna if you're gonna accuse him, accuse him of trying to bribe the president or pressure him into doing something, the victim should know that he's actually being, you know, played, right? 
and uh, that didn't happen. So and they kept trying to make that argument, and then they impeached him anyway. So why do you impeach a president on any on false pretenses? And the only thing you can can uh, conclude is to to try to get him out of office. And why are you trying to get him out of office? Because they weren't very confident that Joe Biden could actually win the election. And also, it looks as though they tried to use it as a distraction because there was something there. And we find out later that Hunter Biden was you know, getting paid by Burisma illegally. I mean, and he was he brought no skills to the table, getting paid $100,000 a year. And no Democrat, even if you're in the tank for Biden, can explain, well, why is he getting paid? And then you find out a lot of their children over there in the Democrats, including including Republicans, have these, you know, cush jobs, very cushy jobs where they get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for being on the board of a company and they have no skill to bring to that company. So it's like me hiring out someone to be on my board and say, well, what skill do you have to bring to my company? Well, I don't know, but pay me $100,000 a year. Well, what, what can I do? I can get access to their parents. And that's a big thing. And this is a big kind of like a kind of a bait and switch type of thing where, again, you pay for one thing and you get something else. And in this way, it kind of works in favor for that company. And a lot of Republicans and Democrats are very guilty of this, using their own kids in a bait and switch type of scandal. This goes on throughout all the whole, the, the entire swamp. They, both parties do this. And Donald Trump was a whistleblower on this. Now, again, he was on the other side, and that's why he knew how these things operated, and he wanted to get to the bottom of it, and he got impeached for doing for being an investigator. <laughs> so again, but the Democrats will say, "Well, this only this only applies, you know, to 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 Biden, and he didn't do anything wrong." And oh, anyway, so why don't we take a look at what he said? All right, so I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to analyze it. So what I'm going to about to read is is the last three paragraphs of the speech he gave. And this is what the, the Democrats are using and what Trump had said that incited an insurrection. Now, in case you don't know what an insurrection is, it's basically an uprising, a violent uprising used to overthrow a government. All right? And we've seen this happen in Seattle. Chaz is an example of an insurrection. They they blocked down a city blocks over there in Seattle and the government didn't do anything. So that right there was an actual insurrection. What we saw here was just an angry mob, a triggered mob that got out of hand. So here we go. I'm going to start reading what he said. Starting now. Republicans are constantly fighting like a boxer with his hands tied behind his back. It's like a boxer. And we want to be so nice. We want to be so respectful to everybody, including bad people. And we're going to have to fight much harder. And Mike Pence is going to have to come through for us. And if he doesn't, that'll be a sad day for our country because they're sworn to uphold our Constitution. So what is Trump doing here? He's basically using an, using an analogy that Republicans have to be like a boxer. We have to fight back. Now, he's saying, now they're saying is that that's inciting violence because they're telling him to punch people. Well, and if you look at the HBO Max video that they just put out, they're cutting and pasting you know, the, what Trump said here which is basically an, an analogy. You know, you have to have to fight like a boxer. He's not telling people punch there. In fact, he's saying, you know, you know uh, even though he's saying we have to fight much harder, but he also says we have to be respectful, including, including to bad people. 
Now, when you're a boxer, you're not really respectful, but we shouldn't be tearing too much into rhetoric, into an analogy. And what they're impeaching on, and they're saying that this analogy is inciting violence, right? Well, it may incite violence to a, you know, to a few very, you know, a few people who are have loose screws. But trust me, if you say tell someone you got to fight like a boxer, they're not gonna. And you explain to them what you mean, what your, what your analogy means. So he says here, you have to fight like a boxer, and then he explains. You know, what he's saying, his, his analogy, he's saying, you know, Republicans are constantly fighting like a boxer with his hands tied behind his back. So that means they're, you know, he's not really boxing. So he's not saying you're fighting. It's really easy to interpret this. You don't have to, he's not going very far. The metaphor is not stretching that deep. It's not one of those those very you know, high intellectual poetic things where you have to dig really deep and say, wow, you have to really analyze that to get it. And by the time you analyze it, the scene is finished, right? Going on. Now, it's up to Congress to confront this assault on our democracy. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down to the Capitol and we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. So he's telling people they're going to go down there and they're just going to cheer on the brave senators who are going to object to the election. That's all he's doing. And then he says, you know, you can't cheer on the weak ones because, you know, a lot of Republicans are weak. They have no spine, which includes Mike Pence. He's a typical type 9 peacekeeper. If you want to put him on the Enneagram, he's not like Trump. He's not out there like Ted Cruz. Even though he has a moral center, he tends to cower in the face of conflict. That's Mike Pence for you. He's not going to shake. He's not going to be a mover. He's not going to be a shaker. He's a status quo Republican, all right? And that doesn't make him a bad guy. It just makes him a coward. Now, what I read to you again Nothing is inciting violence. He's saying you have to cheer on the senators because, but you can't be weak. He's saying that the senators and congressmen and all that, and the women, congresswomen can't be weak, that they have to show strength, right? And they have to be strong. Okay, next paragraph. The last paragraph. We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated, lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will be soon marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today, we will see whether Republicans stand strong for the integrity of our elections. Okay, so what did he say here? <laughs> to march down there and be peaceful and patriots. He didn't say there and go to. He didn't say there to go into the Capitol to 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 cause a riot, to punch police, to cause death. He never said that. I heard this. <laughs> I, never, I never thought, well, he's calling us to go riot. Can you interpret it from that? And, and that's it. That, it. These are the statements that were used to impeach President Trump. This is worse than the, well, it's almost as equal. I wouldn't say worse. It's just as bad as impeachment 1.0. This is impeachment 2.0. And why are the Democrats saying he he incited the riot 
because of this statement and for, for the fact that he didn't concede. And then he, he pushed a fake narrative that this election was stolen and that there was voter fraud out there. Now, just today, <laughs> just today, a woman in Texas was actually convicted, well, not convicted, arrested on allegations of voter fraud. And if you go to YouTube, just, just type in Project Veritas, and what is her name here? Hold on a second. I'm going to find it. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Her name is Raquel Rodriguez. Raquel Rodriguez. And just type in Raquel Rodriguez, Project Veritas. And you'll find a video of her over there in Texas, working for a Republican, by the way, to swing votes. And she, she swung 7,000 votes in the Republican's point of view, change it from Democrat to Republican through all different methods. That's only one person. And she's very good at what she does. She knows how to hide it, everything, every single thing. And then she knew other people who, who got dead people to vote, a lady who owned a morgue and how it was done. She was explaining how it was done. So it's not just her in, in it. And to think that's only her in it and only in Texas doing it, it's, it's ludicrous. She, someone had maybe had taught her, and then she also has a network of other people. And then Project Veritas also has other people in different states where they're looking at and how they're doing it. Now, in some areas, now again, she said she's only responsible for 7,000 votes. It only would take four more of her over in the state of Michigan to swing it. Swing it toward Trump. Swing it toward, uh, toward, toward Biden. Every little counts. Every time a, a fake ballot goes out there. And again, it's not just one. In her case, she said it's 7,000. It swings elections completely. And both sides, Republican and Democrat, <laughs> do it. They 100% do it. And that's why uh, they don't want voter ID because it makes it a lot easier. And how is she doing with this? all through mail-in balloting. And she even said right there on the, the camera, oh, Trump was 100% right. She said, oh, this goes on all throughout the country. This is the way they do it. These are the way elections are won. They're swung through mail-in ballots. She flat out said it's done that way. And she showed how, how it's actually done, how, 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 how senior citizens are pressured. So you got to watch this video. Look under Google, I mean, um, search under YouTube, um, Rochelle, oh, actually, I'm sorry, it's Raquel, R-A-Q-U-E-L, Rodriguez, R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z, and then just put under Project Veritas, and, and then I think her video would be the first one to pop up on YouTube. Watch it from beginning to end, and you'll see that voter fraud does exist, and it, it exists on a level big enough to swing elections. And it's big enough for the fact that both Republicans and Democrats employ these people who are basically apolitical. They don't really care. They just want to get paid. They're very smart. They know how to operate under the camera, I mean, under the, under the law without getting caught. The only reason why she got caught is because she was videotaped secretly. That's the only reason. Okay? So... Was Trump right in saying there's election fraud? Yes. Is there enough election fraud to actually overturn elections? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Was it done in this election? Most likely it was. Most li but we won't know because the Democrats won't 
investigate it further. Now, I just have a hunch. But again, I may be wrong. But again, why can't we investigate it? They don't want to investigate it. Why don't some Republicans want to investigate it? Because they're also on the hook as well. She worked for Republican. All right? She's a quote-unquote consultant. <laughs> okay. So, you know, again, this is, it, it's disgusting, but it's done. And that's why both Republicans and Democrats say, hey, here's the system. And probably that Trump, we don't want Trump in here because he's, he's against this system. And again, we're seeing people, again, like Maxine Waters, she got like 80 or 90% of the vote. And most of the people there in her district, the, the Republican, the black guy who's running against her, he ran a very good ad. And most of the people who, uh, who I know who living around that area voted for him. And they got, she only got, he only got 10% of the vote. How is that possible? Who the hell is voting for her? She didn't even campaign. Well, what can I say? What really can I say here, right? But anyway, and here's all the also. So we have this right here. So we're, again, we're taking the Democrats' argument and we're finding plot holes in them. And this is kind of like what, what a lawyer does, right? So they're saying, he, <laughs> this statement right here can't really incite an insurrection. And insurrections, by the way, the, you don't incite a riot to create an insurrection. That may be a tool that you could use to distract police, right? But Donald Trump is smart. If he really wanted to plan an insurrection, wouldn't he, you know, plan it with military le leaders who want to overtake the government with a coup using military force and, and use the militias out there? The people who, who went into the Capitol to insurrect, quote-unquote insurrect, weren't even armed. They were dressed as though they were going to a Comic-Con convention. That, that's your frontline insurrectionist? That is the worst insurrectionist. When they went in there, they're walking between the stanchions over there, taking selfies with each other. Yeah, they got violent, but then, but then you know, that's what angry mobs do sometimes. All right. So, that's another plot hole, Right? But here's the, here's the biggest plot hole. If you take a look at the video, let me see. Do you, why would a person at a Trump rally show up with a ladder, <laughs> a, a ladder and hammer, zip ties, gas mask, and a helmet, right? Why would they show it up, show, show it up there with, it, with all that? It's not to peacefully protest. They're out there to cause trouble. That means all of their actions were predetermined. Why were they predetermined? Well, I don't know. Maybe they're, they're just triggered Trump supporters, but his speech had nothing to do with it. They were going to do that anyway. It was, I mean, maybe they thought it was a last stand. And there is proof that Antifa was there. And maybe Antifa, you know, Antifa was there because Antifa, they're like people with gas masks and black helmets that were already scuffed up, scuffed up, um, they already had scuff marks on them. That means that these helmets were used before and the, the Trump sticker was put on top of that. And they were, they used to, they're walking around, by the way, with, um, gas mask. They're walking around, uh, uh, some of my friends who were down there, 
um, they were part of the riots, of course, but they got pretty close to the Capitol. Where, but then they said that there before there at the Trump speech, they spotted a lot of like like um, sketchy people walking around dressed up with no good, walking walking around with bats, walking around with gas masks. The full thing, nothing had happened, but but they were ready for something bad to happen. You don't. If, <laughs> I've seen I've seen Trump rallies. I watched them like a bad habit, right? And people don't show up to his rallies, rallies dressed up in gas mask. I'm sorry. That doesn't happen. But it was, it was happening here. And it looked as though Antifa was there to incite a rally, a, a riot. And I know for a fact that, you know, they did the same thing with Black Lives Matter. Um, now, Black Lives Matter is a little different because Black Lives Matter and Antifa, their agendas, they, they pretty much align. They both want to defund the police. Um, they both want to, like... Um, uh, actually instigate violent violent protest and they feel as though they're when they steal from target or these other places that's a form of reparations they've even said that uh, said that on video so there's not much of a stretch for them to, for them to go violent it just takes a handful of people and then all of a sudden it snowballs into something uncontrollable for the trump mega supporters it didn't snowball in that direction you know, the Trump supporters didn't show up with Molotov cocktails. Um, they didn't take bricks that were, you know, but there's no bricks there. But they don't take bricks and they throw it at cops. But Antifa will show up with bricks and they'll drop it there in front of BLM and BLM will start, you know, throwing it at cops. Now, here's the other thing, too. All this mob stuff, all this stuff, actual insurrection going on in Seattle. Were Chaz, remember Chaz, they blocked off the roads over there in Seattle and made their own community. Now that's an insurrection. And they tried to set up, by the way, autonomous zones all across the country, including over in D.C. And the, the Democrats stood by and did nothing. They don't care about insurrection. All right. This is all smoke and mirrors. Now, what is the whole thing about this uh, impeachment with, for, with Trump? Number one is that they, I really think they fear Trump running in 2024. They fear his supporters. Again, both Republicans and Democrats fear him. It's the machine, okay? They're both, at the top end, they're both corrupt. When you're in there, it's 30, 40 years, and your wealth is, you know, exponentially exploding. And there's, you really can't explain that. There's some kickbacks and payoffs going on. Nancy Pelosi is extremely wealthy. Um, even if she made the right business decisions, it wouldn't explain the wealth she has accumulated. Um, she's, her husband, though, you can trace it back, and she's, they've benefited so much through, through China trade. And, and um, she has, her husband has worked with China to make a lot of money off of, out of all things, regular shopping carts. And then she wants to, you know, again, you have like, you know, she wants to keep her power to protect her wealth. And you could easily, you know, you know dig into the, the background to all of these, 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 um, these politicians. We had a politician here in Hawaii. His name is Neil Abercrombie. And, and anyway, Abercrombie, he came down here and he, he actually uh, ran for governor. He won. And the, the Democrat Party down here in Hawaii, found out that he was so corrupt that they actually ran a dumb Democrat against him to get him out of office. But that's how corrupt he was. But here's the thing. Neil Abercrombie, he is so, he, he, he is so, so corrupt that he owns a penthouse over there in D.C. 
where he lives in, how did he ever get the money to, to pay for a penthouse over in, in one of the richest areas in D.C.? <laughs> on, 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 a, on a salary of a representative. And he's not really investing to all different types of businesses. I, I have friends who actually got military, um, who got contracts. And part of the, um, part of the um, I, I guess, the award to get the contract, to get the endorsement of New Abercrombie, was to actually incorporate him somehow into this to get credit for it. And I'm not sure if money had to be, um, was exchanged, um, but I don't want to t- go into anything further because that may get my friend and also you know other things in uh, other people in, involved in, into trouble. But they were very upset about it. They didn't win that they couldn't win the contract based upon merit, even though they were very qualified. And this type of crap goes on all the time, you know. So uh, Donald Trump, he's going to be out of office. We have to all, we have to all kind of admit that he's going to be out of office. But right now, what we're seeing the assault on freedom of speech. You know, again, we express freedom of speech through through um, social media. That's what we do. And you're seeing that platform being taken away from the conservative side. And you're seeing, you you know what what's really bad is that you're seeing. Um, those on the left, they're, they're, how can I put this clearly or like softly? They're, I guess, jumping to conclusions that every single Trump supporter is a white supremacist or completely paranoid or completely stupid. The majority are not. Now, I do know that there's a handful of them that believe, believe in conspiracy theories and, and that number is growing. And I keep having to tell them, no, that's not that's not really happening. And these conspiracy theories are just like these this uh, impeachment 2.0. There are plot holes and plot holes inside there, and you know you can kind of they're they're not they're not conspiracy theories that are really well written, and they're still buying them hook, line, and sinker. Um, but um, but and it's pretty funny. But then again, they're affecting some really good people, and I don't want my I don't want my my close friends or some of the you know people who believe in that to go down that rabbit hole because then they're when you once you go down there they get stuck and you can't pull them back out. Um, but again, you just have like these the the vitriol against Trump supporters is really high right now. And I think also Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, they want this country to divide. Remember they said they wanted peace. They wanted, we needed healing. The country didn't need healing at all. The media is the one who divided us. The media is one who, who convinced about half the country that we're all racist. That Trump supporters are, the Trump supporters is an awakening of white supremacy. <laughs> I mean, it's a ludicrous statement. And then they use the cops and say and said that, oh, the cops are also an extension of white privilege. That if a lot of these victims here were white, they wouldn't be, um, they wouldn't have been shot. And um, that's totally untrue, you know. And now, not to say there's no there's no racist cops out out there and racism doesn't exist. Racism does exist. A lot of people are racist. They do prejudge a, a person in a very negative, hateful way based upon the color of their skin. And we're seeing that right now done against people with white skin. People who are Caucasians are automatically presumed to have privilege. Before, they were automatic, automatically presumed to have trash. Before, there was white trash. Now, there's white privilege. 
Oh, they can't win. Yeah, it is so bad. One of my um, one of my clients told me, you know, um, you know, she's a bartender over there, and uh, she was bartending, and these NFL players come in, and uh, they won't tip. Now, these are like you know high round draft picks. They're like the first string starters, and and she's a bartender. They come in there, they won't tip, and she asks them white tip. Why didn't you tip? And they look at her and they says, "Because you have white privilege." They run up the bill. They won't tip her because she has white privilege. Who has a privilege? Who's going home to the billion-dollar home or the million-dollar home? She's a bartender. They're, they're telling her she has privilege, and and this NFL player, you know, has none. He's worth. He signed a contract worth millions and millions of dollars, you know. And I'm not going to mention the name, but it, it's really bad. I mean, think about that. And he doesn't speak for all of them, but she told me that. Yeah, it's kind of regular. A lot of the first stringers, and she said it is the black, uh, what do you call first stringers, which is of the NFL, when it comes into the bar. And uh, yeah, they run up the bill. They don't tip, and they haven't been tipping recently because they feel that the white servers have white privilege and authority over them. And it's not their fault. Remember that NFL players are young, okay? They're in their, their early 20s. And, and they can be swayed. They went. They went to a very. They went to very big liberal colleges, and they can be swayed by professors to think that they are the victim. And all of a sudden, they have this, and now, now they're, they're not going to like um, um, by by actually sticking it to Whitey. You know that's their. You know that's their payback. It's sad. Again, it's misplaced hate. <sighs> and again, not to say there's a right place to put hate, but that's where we are, people. So this impeachment, it's all a bunch of fluff. Now, maybe you disagree with my opinion, but I made my opinion very straight and clear, clear here on what it is. Um, you know, and you want to chime off, that's fine. Um, I'm not sure how you can. You, know, you, you can email me. You know, if you disagree with what I'm saying, email me. Go to steve at scriptwritersteve.com and uh, put forth your argument. I'll read your email on my podcast, and maybe, maybe it'll open up my eyes. Maybe Trump isn't a good person, right? Maybe, maybe he is this. Maybe he is the supervillain that you guys think. I'm willing to entertain that idea and have that conversation. I usually have that conversation with a lot of people. And, and here's the thing: I always say, you know, in order to to believe that that Donald Trump is um, President Donald Trump is a supervillain. You have to be willing to, to, to really disengage with reality. Um, I always get told that, how can you support Donald Trump? He's a Nazi. He's a Nazi. So I said, what do, what do, what do Nazis do? I says, oh, and they're like, I don't know, he, but he's a Nazi. And, and you're a Nazi if you, you support him. I says, well, okay, well, I, I, do, I do know that Nazis in particular wanted to exterminate the Jews. And they said, yeah, 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 he hates the Jews. I said, oh, really? Okay, so um, um, he actually, Netanyahu, Netanyahu um, who, who is the prime minister of Israel, loves Donald Trump. Uh, the, the relationship with Israel and America has never been stronger. And that, and that um, President Trump followed through with the promise that other presidents did not do by moving the U.S. embassy over into Jerusalem. And he supports um, Israel as a sovereign state. 
And then they said, oh, that doesn't count. Down. And, I, and, I asked, and I asked them, do you? And, goes, and they look at me and point their finger. He goes, I will never support those Jews, those Israels, Israelites and all. They don't belong in the Middle East. They tell me that. These anti-Trump supporters. And I said, whoa, so you're anti-Israel? Like, Heck yeah, I'm anti-Israel. Whoa, who's the anti-Semite? They are. They're self-projecting their hate. You talk to any Democrat out there, they're against Israel. And then they have the audacity to call you an anti, you know, a Nazi. They're the Nazis. They're totally, they don't like the Jews. They're out there pushing conspiracy theories that the Jews control all the central banks and control all the money. It's like, oh, I can go on and on about this. But anyway, what can I say, right? We all know they're hypocrites. No, actually, I take that back. They're not hypocrites. They're actually, and I, I have to say, liberalism is a mental disorder. You know, I'm, I'm taking a term created by the great Michael Savage. Okay, I didn't create that. But we have to say it is a form of a mental disorder because you can't tell them a fact and they won't accept it. And they won't even have, a, have that conversation. When you tell them, well, well, Donald Trump achieved peace in the Middle East, all these countries that hated, that hated not, um, Israel are signing peace treaties with Israel because of Donald Trump, of President Donald Trump. And they say, well, that doesn't count as a peace treaty. Well, it sure does to those countries. What about NAFTA? Did they renegotiate NAFTA? Well, Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi took credit for renegotiating NAFTA. Huh. The economy's doing good. Oh, that's Obama's. Obama did, did all that. Well, Obama said before that in order to get the manufacturing jobs back from China, you need a magic wand. That's not going to happen. The truth is, Obama didn't know how to bring back the manufacturing jobs. They're not business people. And Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, they're not business people. And that's why it's almost like when you talk to these Democrats, it's like banging your head against the wall because they don't own businesses. Like for me, you know, I've owned multiple businesses. You know, you know, the wedding business is not my only business that I owned. I owned a, I owned a lot of different businesses. Some very successful, some not. And you only learn, by the way, by, by you learn more by being unsuccessful. You learn all by your mistakes, by the way. So, and even myself, I went through bankruptcy before, um, you know, because when a company dies, bank, you have to bankrupt it. That's basically the death of a company. And that's what you're seeing right now. A lot of companies are going bankrupt. It doesn't mean you made a bad decision. Sometimes it is, but that's at the end, every company, they only have a certain life cycle. And eventually at the end of it, no matter how big you are, you may fall. Sears at one time was very big. They had to file for bankruptcy, right? There, there's a lot of big companies that, that went down, down and out. Pan Am Airlines. How many airlines do have to file for bankruptcy right now? And then you could probably restructure and do all those things, but that's just part of the thing. And a lot of people, you know, Donald Trump, he had different corporations that, that, had to, that filed for bankruptcy. And they said, well, he doesn't know how to run a business. And, and every business owner was like, oh, what the hell, really? You know? What did, they, what did they teach these college kids over there in school? That bankruptcy, bankrupt, like bankruptcy is there for a reason. Yes, it can be abused, but again, it's a life cycle of a business. 
It's the life cycle of also people and allowing them to rebuild their credit. Now, do I think that college um, that college debt should be able to be forgiven under bankruptcy? That I do. I 100% do. Because, you know, to have it, to have it be, to have this debt to be um, unforgiven while companies can, you know, and when I filed for bankrupt, bankruptcy, we filed, um, I had another company called Canoe Girl Productions and we did a lot, a lot of production. We did, we had two television shows. We had promotions, concert promotions. We ran a nonprofit organization. Uh, we were the, one of the first companies to rebuild, uh, to build websites and we, we built them. We built one for the local local uh, Fo- uh, Fox affiliate down here or was it maybe the NBC affiliate? But we built their website. We built their, we built their, um, we built like a lot of things on there. Plus we did weddings at the same time. We did commercials. Um, we, we, we were very, very successful. But, a few missteps, a few bad decisions, and then also September 11th came by, and that wiped out all of our advertising revenue. So we had to end up filing, the company had to end up filing for bankruptcy, and then we ourselves, some of the owners who had guaranteed loans, had to file personal bankruptcy. And all of those all together, you know, t- totaled a lot of money, you know, totaled all together over millions of dollars. But we could, there's no way we could pay it back. Now, again, our debt was not as large as some of these kids with their college debt, and they should be allowed to file for bankruptcy. Now, it took me a while to to, to dig myself out of that, so I could you know, again get credit for give credit again and get it rolling again. And it'll be like this again for the kids too. Their debt being forgiven, they'll have to regain the ability ability to borrow again, but at least they'll have that weight off their shoulders. Like how we did when we filed for bankruptcy, it was like, oh yeah, now we can start another business. We can do all of these things and everything like that. And it was a new beginning. It was like a magic wand had wiped it away, and it was great. That that has to be available to kids. All right, I'm not sure how how I got off on that subject, but that's my opinion. Okay, people, um, I'm gonna end it here. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna be meeting with some other people, my, some of my other friends. They're very, um, one of them is a filmmaker, a very, very good filmmaker. And uh, we're going to be again meeting with Keith, you know, uh, my, my pitmaster Keith, we call him. And uh, maybe I'll get them on the podcast and get them to chime in on what's happening around in our country right now and where, we, where do we expect to go from here. Uh, right now, if you, again, if you're a conservative, most likely, likely you're listening to my podcast. Um, and again, if you like it, you know, tell all your friends, share it. I want to try to build this. It's maybe another form of revenue for me. It's turning out pretty good right now. But who the hell knows what will happen? I just like to do it because uh, I'm getting censored on Facebook and other forums. And this is where, you know, again, a place, a way to get out my opinion and then educate everyone, I guess, from my point of view, what may be happening. All right. I may not be right. I may not be right. I may be 100% wrong. But at least you can take what I say into consideration when you're forming your own opinion. But um, I want to I want to hear what they have to say, and then maybe that would you know bring something else to the the whole table. Um, but that's about it. But uh, if you're, but uh, I want to thank you for keep listening to me and sharing my podcast. It really helps me grow. And uh, hopefully, uh, I'll be back more with more. Okay.